Welcome to Biomechanics on Our Minds. My name is Melissa Boswell. And I'm Hannah O'Day, and we're PhD students at Stanford University. This podcast is brought to you by the International Society of Biomechanics. It's, it's time, time for Boom. Welcome to Boom. We have Biomechanics on Our Minds. Boom. 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 Hi, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Student Voices, which is a series by Biomechanics on Our Minds. My name is Loi. And I'm Emily, and we're two PhD students out of the Orthopedic and Injury Biomechanics Lab at the University of British Columbia, also known as UBC in Vancouver, Canada. Who do I hear? episode today will be on injury biomechanics and we're going to talk about its importance for the biomechanics community and society as a whole. And we're going to do that by interviewing three UBC researchers who can speak to the clinical, industry, and academic aspects of injury biomechanics, Dr. Pierre Guy, Dr. Gunter Siegmund, and Dr. Peter Crypton. But first I'd like to introduce you to myself and Loe as well. Um, so my name is Emily and I'm originally from California and I am a first year PhD student at UBC. My thesis focuses on preventing hip fracture through the development of an orthopedic implant or technique, and it combines the fields of orthopedic and injury biomechanics uh, pretty well. I've studied mechanical engineering at the University of Portland uh, and then have a master's degree in biomedical engineering from the University of Portland as well. Um, And then I worked in a few different fields before making my way to UBC. One of those was um, in helmet design and development for bicycle helmets. And I really loved working on that. And I had a lot of fun conducting those impact tests. But it was something that I never really recognized as injury biomechanics until coming to uh, Vancouver and taking a course in it and learning about it um, more formally. And since then, I've just had a lot of fun learning more about the field and uh, conducting research in it so far. Yeah, um, that's really that's really cool, Emily. Like, it's been a long way for you, I guess, to to injury biomechanics and and to to the lab. Um, so, as mentioned, my name is uh, Loa Elsley, and I'm a third year PhD student uh, in the same group as Emily, and I'm working on neck injuries and vehicle rollovers. So, we're trying to prevent those injuries by better understanding how those injuries occur and how humans or humans in general are reacting to an impending head-first impact. Uh, And we will hear more about that later in the interview. Uh, Before coming to UBC, uh, I did my bachelor's and master's in mechanical engineering at the RWTH Aachen University, uh, which is in Aachen, Germany, also my hometown, um, a very small town in Western Germany. And uh, my path took me through different biomedical topics like cardiovascular engineering, orthopedic biomechanics, and I did research at various hospitals in Germany and also in industry at Stryker. So yeah, that's 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 me. Yeah, one of the, um, Loe is much farther along in his thesis than I am. And one of the big exciting events recently in the lab was him getting this big, powerful robot to help him carry out his experiments. And you'll hear a little bit more about that uh, later in our interview. Yeah, it's, it's very, it's very exciting, uh, stuff. So that robot is far bigger than I am and it can carry up to 500 kilogram. And we will use that to toss people around. And, and as I said, 
uh, later in the interview, my two supervisors will be talking about that a little bit more. And and that's also a good descriptor for injury biomechanics. So we use very different uh, human surrogates. And the surrogate I'm using is actually human subject, so living human beings. Would that be even classified as a surrogate because it's a, the human being itself? Or is it because you're not actually injuring them and that's what the surrogate part is? Actually, it's a, it's a topic that many people are actually arguing about. I remember in my comprehensive exam, I was kind of, I got that comment that human subject really is surrogate because it's not replacing a human. Um, I would argue mm-hmm. that actually it is a surrogate because we're using a specific amount of people to test specific conditions and those people replace the overall population. So basically they are a surrogate, but a pretty perfect mm. one. Right, because they're they're not just a random victim, right? They're exactly. chosen kind of for this. Exactly. And they will they volunteer, right? Exactly. So yeah. Something maybe I can do someday, hopefully. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we're really excited to have this interview and um, to be able to be on Student Voices and just tell the world a little bit more about injury biomechanics um, because we uh, this was Loe's idea. We thought it was a field that could use a little bit more exposure. Yeah, I, I agree. And um, and going to ISB to the conference last year, I found that injury biomechanics was still not very well represented. It might be also the reason for having various injury biomechanics uh, conferences that are just focused on injury biomechanics. But I would like to see more of that also at more general conferences like the International Society of Biomechanics ISB. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe this episode will pique your interest as well. And let's uh, let's go get into the interview. Welcome, Dr. Krypton, Dr. Siegman, and Dr. Gee to our Student Voices episode. And thank you so much for being here and being willing to answer our questions today. So we would like to start with a little um, introduction round. And we would like you to each intro- briefly introduce yourselves and tell our listeners a little bit about your current work and about the positions you hold. And we would like to start with Dr. Siegmund. All right, well, thank you for inviting me. Um, My name is Gunter Siegmund. I am a mechanical engineering undergrad from the University of British Columbia, and then a PhD in injury biomechanics and neurophysiology also from the University of British Columbia. I uh, have been working at a company called MEA Forensic Engineers and Scientists for about 34 years. I'm the director of research there. Uh, I am also an adjunct professor in the School of Kinesiology out at UBC again. And uh, my work consists about, uh, well, theoretically, it consists of 50% consulting for uh, forensic biomechanics and 50% research. Okay. Um, how about Dr. Krypton next? Sure. I want to thank you for inviting me as well. And um, I, um, to follow Dr. Sigmund's um, example, um, I'll talk about my degrees. So I have a bachelor's in mechanical engineering from the Technical University of Nova Scotia and um, a degree in mathematics uh, from Uh, Dalhousie University, and then a master's and PhD in mechanical engineering from Queen's University. Um, And I am a professor in the Department of Mechanical Engineering at UBC, 
and also um, I have an appointment in the School of Biomedical Engineering and in, in the School of Biomedical Engineering, which is a, a new initiative at UBC. I direct the undergraduate uh, program in biomedical engineering, which is also new at UBC. Um, and I do work in injury biomechanics. We work in uh, towards preventing injuries. Um, and the particular injuries we work on are hip fracture, spinal cord injury, and spinal column fractures and brain injuries. Awesome. Yeah, and those are all really important to prevent for their respective reasons. And uh, last, we have Dr. Gee. Thank you. And then uh, I'll thank you as well for inviting me to uh, this session. So I'm Pierre Guy. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at uh, UBC. Uh, Training-wise, I did my MD degree at McGill and my residency at McGill University as well. And I completed two fellowships uh, in trauma, one in Germany and one at UBC. And I've been on faculty at UBC since uh, 2002. And uh, my areas of uh, research, well, my areas of clinical care is is subspecialized in orthopedic trauma. So I'm a, a full-time trauma surgeon. And my areas of research interest are around uh, fracture care, uh, or more specifically around hip fracture, where the opportunity to collaborate with uh, Dr. Krypton. And we'll talk a little bit more about that, I'm sure. Definitely. Um, great. Thank you. And thanks again for being here. We're really excited to uh, be able to hold this interview. Um, but we actually haven't told our listeners yet, many of whom may already know uh, what injury biomechanics actually is. So would one of you mind explaining injury biomechanics, um, maybe like you would describe it to a child? Maybe Dr. Krypton can give his best shot. Sure. I'd be happy to uh, take a first crack at that. Um, so Injury biomechanics is the field of people who are working to, to design and develop and invent um, what we think of as safety equipment. So safety equipment is um, that we're familiar with are things like helmets and bindings on our skis and um, also seatbelts and airbags in our vehicles. So these are all, this is all equipment that um, is in place to prevent um, an injury when, um, when a collision occurs or um, if we start to fall when we're skiing. In order to design these devices, we need to know um, the breaking point of the human body. So we need to know, um, for example, with the leg, how much um, torque can be applied to the leg um, before it will fracture. And we want our ski binding. We need to design that. So it will release under lots of different kinds of um, skiing forces. It will release at the point um, so that we wouldn't have a fracture happen in the leg. We'll release at a point just before or before the breaking point of the leg. And that's what we're trying to do in injury biomechanics is um, design devices that are there in the moment, in the milliseconds where the injury happens and, um, be between the the object that would cause the injury and the person and and activate to prevent the injury awesome that was great hopefully uh that five-year-old knows how to ski because that was a great <laughs> great analogy um and from i guess uh dr sigmund or Guy, do you guys have anything from your respective professions that you think 
wasn't covered in, in Dr. Crypton's definition? Uh, I'll, I'll go. Sure. Um, from uh, from my perspective, uh, the focus is more on understanding the mechanics of how injuries occur, um, as opposed to preventing them. I, I, you know, preventing is is very important. It's not the area that I I focus in on. I'm more interested in uh, how the injuries are are caused. What uh, sort of forces need to apply the push pull and bending that 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 causes all the different kinds of injuries that we see in um uh i'll classify it as as traumatic injuries um and and i use that information um, in my forensic consulting work uh, that's also a good point dr siegmund um uh, i really was also interested you were saying that you would call yourself a forensic engineer so what do you think is like a description for what a forensic engineer does uh, if you're not talking directly about research? Um, it's a good question. The, the, the word forensic is um, often um, thought of as being related to the investigation of a, of a crime or something like that. But uh, more generally, it is uh, anything pertaining to the courts. And, and so what we do often uh, as a forensic engineer or forensic engineers is uh, we answer technical questions that uh, folks related to the court system or the legal system uh, want answered in order to understand what happened in a particular case. So, uh, for instance, our clients are uh, lawyers or insurance companies or prosecutors people like that who uh, who are investigating a particular uh, crime or crash or uh, some other kind of uh, event that caused an injury. And what they want to understand are the technical aspects of how that injury was caused and what one party or another might have done differently um, to prevent it or what they may have done to have um, caused it or not done to have caused it. From my understanding, uh, Dr. Kristen also works a bit in forensic engineering uh, or forensic biomechanics, and also that Dr. Kristen is kind of the the link between Dr. C and Sigmund, and that you two actually haven't met in real life. So, if I'm correct, um, so how did Dr. Kristen? How did you first meet Dr. C and Sigmund, and how did this turn into these um, two collaborations that you guys have? Well, I met. Um Dr. Sigmund and Dr. Gee in the same year, uh, I believe. I started at UBC in 2003, and shortly after starting, I attended a um, a seminar focused on spinal cord injury that uh, Dr. Sigmund was also invited to. And I I moved to my position at UBC from a consulting engineering firm where we did a lot of uh, forensic consulting, like uh, Dr. Sigmund described. Um, and at that time, I was still, as I started at UBC, I was still working for that company. It's called Exponent Incorporated. It's a U.S. engineering and scientific consulting company. And um, I sought out um, Dr. Sigmund because I, I knew he did similar kind of work as the company that I had um, moved from. And um, we started to talk then, but it was some years before we um, really started to talk seriously about collaboration and what we could do collaboratively. But 
we have been collaborating for, I think, about a decade. And um, we've, uh, yeah, um, keep finding new things and more exciting things and um, to, to work on. Um, and uh, it's been a great, it's been a great collaboration so far. And I look forward to continuing that. Um, with Dr. Gee, um, and I would say as as a biomedical engineer or an injury bi- biomechanist, um, finding clinical collaborators is key because trying to prevent injuries, but without understanding them or how important they are in the um, in the clinical context, like how much um, trauma they cause to people in the world, um, it's um, clinicians who are on the front line of treating these injuries, and so clinicians are really the people who understand how these, um, how common they, these injuries are. They know a lot about how they happen and they are the only ones who can help us to understand if we, as, um, Dr. Sigmund mentioned, we're looking to understand the mechanisms of injury. It's amazing how many injuries we still are poorly understood the mechanisms behind them. Um, and so we're trying to understand these mechanisms of injury we don't know if we produce an injury in the lab in an animal model or a cadaver, cadaver model, whether it's a clinically relevant injury if we don't have a, um, a surgeon that we can or a, a clinician that we can collaborate with. Um, it, it is difficult to find clinicians who are interested in prevention because this is not the core, um, the core uh, activity of clinicians. Clinicians diagnose and treat, and that's really the focus. So it's a special clinician who um, can expand their interests um, and has the energy to work on on injury prevention. And so Dr. Gee, um, I, I remember as I was starting at UBC, I asked, I was, I was asking colleagues about whether it made sense and um, had merit to really focus my career on injury prevention and injury biomechanics. Um, and Dr. Gee was a clinician who encouraged me to do it. And he said that, you know, somebody whose injury you prevent never has to go to the hospital. And that's, you know, prevention is the strongest part of, med- of um, could be the best treatment, something along those lines. Um, so though, so that's how um, I started to discuss with Dr. Gee um, what, what work we, what areas we could work in. And I'm not sure if one or both of you want to, um, bring in the other side of those, um, those interactions. Go ahead, Gunter. Uh, yeah. Well, um, when, when Peter first showed up at, uh, UBC, it was wonderful because there was now going to be a full-time injury biomechanist, uh, at, uh, mechanical engineering at UBC. So that, um, for me, at least that was, um, that was gold uh, because it, it opened up opportunities for collaboration. It took a little while um, uh, to establish some of those collaborations, but we've since pushed through a number of students on a number of different projects. And uh, it's been a very um, engaging and, and, and fruitful, I think, collaboration and, and will continue to be. We just recently uh, acquired a, a robot, uh, you know, a big a big robot that handles 500 kilos that we're going to be using to, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say this, um, <laughs> somewhat casually toss people around to simulate 
a, uh, a rollover condition or the, or the early, the first half of a rollover condition where we've got, uh, you know, wires in their neck muscles and markers on their, their body to track their motion and um, the high-speed x-ray to uh, watch what their cervical spine is doing. Um, you know, these are, these are very complicated experiments that require people from different backgrounds to sort of get together and, and the collaboration I have with um, Dr. Crypton is one that allows us to do that kind of uh, exciting stuff. Yeah, I would say, sorry, it's really exciting work that um, we've been trying to push. And um, Dr. Sigmund was doing this um, and inspired me to start thinking along these lines, um, using human subjects in our experiments instead of using cadaveric or, or crassus dummy components to simulate the um, injuries. And each of these are models of the human that can be um, used, but um, actually using human subjects is amazing um, because these are the beings that we really want to prevent injuries in and really understand how the, how the injuries happen. So this experiment is actually the experiment that Loe um, is, is a PhD. This is um, PhD project. To uh, to use this robot to simulate the automotive rollovers. It's going to be just to be clear for listeners: we're not injuring people. We are <laughs> we're, we're studying the events leading up to the point just before where an injury would be caused, uh, so that we can understand the initial conditions that go into a um, a potentially injurious situation. Yeah, we think of it as studying impending headfirst impacts in a rollover. So that's how people can break their necks in rollovers is through hitting their head on the roof during, um, during a roll. So to simulate the first, um, half roll and, um, the impending impact is, um, what's, what's really exciting is understanding what, um, how the neck reacts to this impending impact. I have, I will have to agree with that. Uh, and it's interesting <laughs> to see my two supervisors being so enthusiastic about my PhD project. And, uh, and it's interesting also to, in, in regards of um, using human subjects uh, for the research and actually looking at how humans react to specific situations or um, voluntary or involuntary. And, uh, and yeah, and that will bring me also to my next question, which is, and I want to ask a question to Dr. Pierre Guy, like for me using human subjects, uh, manipulating people with robots and all of that was a very intriguing factor of me choosing injury biomechanics for my PhD. But you as a surgeon, how did you end up working in injury biomechanics? Like, yeah, it's clear that uh, people that come into your OR have been injured in some kind or another. But like, what was what was your initial point of entering that research path? Um. I think at heart, I probably should have gone to engineering. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but I've, I've truly enjoyed my interactions with uh, with um, the um, all the faculty members in, in engineering who are affiliated with our department. Um, the uh, what has gotten me into this? It's interesting because um, I think Dr. Crypton summarized it well when he said that you know if you break it down, we in, on the clinical side. We work on the diagnostic part and we work on the treatment uh, part. And and my main clinical focus as a orthopedic trauma surgeon is on the treatment side. And why would I want to be getting myself out of business, really, uh, <laughs> by preventing injuries? Uh, the the um, 
the number of people who get injured and the impact on individuals uh, is so great that uh, uh, something uh, has to be done if it can be done. And then the specific area of interest that we have is around hip fracture. And there's an alarming number of people who are getting injured every year, and that's growing. And the impact on their individuals' lives is great. So that's enough of a you know focus to motivate um, motivate research. And then uh, when an injury biomechanist uh, becomes a, a part of a faculty, uh, I think that's a that's a great opportunity to to collaborate. Uh, I'm an individual who. Uh, uh, likes to work in teams and and recognizes the value of expertise. And I think it's just a great opportunity uh, when we can have people who are leading in their fields uh, working together uh, to uh, take the the best of what's available in each field of science to to come up with uh, questions and solutions uh, for those. So, uh, so yeah, so that's why or how I got into injury biomechanics. I just think that it's, it's the, the place to focus our, our energies on in my field right now. Yeah, I think that's a great perspective. And I especially like what you said about collaboration. Um, you know, even that's start, start something that I'm really starting to recognize as well. It's very early in my career. Um, Dr. Gee, could you comment on why, like, why would a clinician be interested in injury biomechanics in the first place? I mean, I know you said, you know, you're kind of putting yourself out of business for the sake of just helping people, but how can it actually having kind of an understanding of injury biomechanics help you uh, in your practice? Oh, I think uh, it helps in the practice uh, as well on the treatment side. If you, if you want, I think understanding um, if we're just going to focus on, on bones for, uh, bone and joint or musculoskeletal injuries, um, understanding how a bone fails and how uh, we we use that information to you know reestablish the the uh, the contour the continuity of the bone and and uh, have various implants to support uh, during the healing uh, because you know they were, we're trying to counter the initial deforming forces that caused the injury and and also take into consideration the forces that'll go through the limb as somebody rehabs and exercises so we're a little bit away from injury biomechanics in that sense but i think understanding the first component of the injury is key uh but i the going back to what dr crypt had said uh, initially understanding the the mechanisms that uh, that cause the injury could lead us to uh, prevention solutions mm-hmm and speaking of prevention, I've I have to say I've heard um, Dr. Krypton refer to prevention as the poor cousin of treatment, and uh, I was wondering if any of you could um, just comment on that or elaborate a little bit for our listeners. It is. I mean, the the treatment is usually something that has a, a you know we've established a diagnosis and we need to find the solution. We and from an orthopedic point of view, we are, you know most of my field has involved some type of um, implant that's been developed uh, to, uh, as I said, uh, restore the the function of the bone and and uh, encounter the the loads. The prevention is is uh, could be less attractive if you want to, um, because it, it would involve, uh, it, but it's it's hard research, but also it would involve uh, finding solutions. Um, for many, many uh, people with uh, with 
very few that potentially would get uh, would get injured. So it's not been the the focus of uh, of research, uh, but I think uh, increasingly so as we as we identify you know populations that are at higher risk and and identify some specific groups. Uh, it's a it's a drive for us to find solutions for these folks. And and again, I'm going to plug the area of research that we work on. This is hip fracture, and that's certainly a, a key population. Yeah, I mean, I would go. I would say that in our collaborative work with with Dr. Gee, um, there's really quite a um, a free flowing um, uh, exchange between um, treatment and um, prevention in in all of our projects. So, Emily, you know that we we collaborate with um, a group at ETH, and um, where at ETH they're doing computational studies of, uh, of the hip fracture experiments that we conduct in, in my lab at, at UBC. But in the, um, in the context of, um, studying the hip fractures, one of our focuses is to prevent, is to design an implant, um, that could, um, be used to prevent, um, a hip fracture in a person who's at, um, increased risk of hip fracture. So, you see, we're focused on preventing, but also focused on developing an implant. That implant needs to be um, surgically implanted. It needs to be minimally invasive. So without the interplay between, you know, we need an implant that can withstand this much force, which may be the purview of the engineer and um, the and, and Pierre's or Dr. Guy's um, focus on um, how could we really um, develop this implant in a way that it could be um, implanted in a in a patient who, um, as as he would understand well, may be a vulnerable um, uh, in a vulnerable health state um, because these injuries happen more commonly in elderly elderly people. So there's really quite an exchange in that project, and there can be in many of these projects that are focused on prevention. They can also have a real focus on. On treatment or many aspects that are related to, to treatment. Boom would like to thank Sanford Health for their support in the making of the Student Voices series. Sanford Health is one of the nation's largest health systems offering integrated care, genomic medicine, senior care and services, research, and affordable insurance. Sanford Health also offers students both clinical and non-clinical internship experiences throughout the year, as well as graduate student training through a partnership with the University of South Dakota Department of Biomedical Engineering. These student opportunities include biomechanics internships through the Sanford Sports Science Institute and Sanford Orthopedics and Sports Medicine in Sioux Falls, South Dakota and Fargo, North Dakota, and provide mentorship, professional development, and growth opportunities, including gaining real-world experience and building useful skills to prepare you for the future. And if you want to learn more about student opportunities at Sanford Health, you can visit sanfordhealth.jobs. That's S-A-N-F-O-R-D, health.jobs. We haven't heard from the forensic side of things in a while, and I'm wondering because you, I guess you're the only interviewee that I guess works predominantly in industry, um, Dr. Sigmund, how much research do you still get to do? Do you wish it was less or more? Oh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> uh, I think I, I I would prefer to do much more research, but um, being in industry, uh, research doesn't really pay the bills. It, it's just it's a it's a fun way to spend our profits. Um, but uh, I would I would say that. Uh, 
our consulting work relies heavily on research. And so uh, we can't just use research without also contributing to research. At least that's our philosophy. Um, and, and research is, a, is an important vehicle through which we can uh, train people and uh, keep them current and, and honestly establish them as uh, authorities in the field. So when they are doing their forensic consulting work, um, it doesn't, uh, or pardon me, they, uh, they are credible as, as uh, what the court calls experts. Um, you know, they're, they're credible as an expert in the field that they're um, providing some consulting services in. So um, research has a, has a real benefit to the company. Personally, uh, I like research because it is, um, it's about discovering new knowledge. And uh, it is, you know, the knowledge or the knowledge exists. We just don't know it yet, <laughs> if, you, if you know what I mean. Like, like the, the physics don't change just because we've discovered them. They're out there doing whatever they're doing, uh, whether or not we understand them or not. And, and it, it, is, it is our job as researchers to uh, tease, that, tease that apart, to, to discover how things work so that we can, um, in the injured biomechanics world at least, uh, interpret how something happened in a crash or uh, develop an intervention that can prevent those uh, injuries from happening in the future. Dr. Singman, could you talk a bit about the, the data set um, that would be used in an injury reconstruction like that um, and, and how it's assembled in a legal scenario versus what, what we would have access to? In a, I know when we try to do um, research understanding the, how injuries happen, in the real world, some kind of an epidemiological study and recruit patients in the emergency room. We have a subset of medical records, but I think there's a lot more information available when you are doing forensic work. Yeah. So it's an interesting contrast because uh, in the, in the environment you describe, you have uh, a large number of patients and perhaps not complete information. And in a forensic uh, environment, you're going to have all of the information for a single individual. So uh, the, the difficulty in any kind of forensic investigation is that you're dealing with an N of one and uh, you know, you're dealing with an individual and how that specific individual responded in a crash as opposed to how population might respond uh, to that kind of crash environment. So the, uh, the difficulty always comes from trying to understand how you take population-based data, whether it is epidemiological data or um, experimental data on, say, fracture tolerance, and apply that to an individual who has their own unique set of uh, pre-existing conditions, health, um, and, and collision exposure. You know, every, every combination of a person and a crash is a unique a unique thing. It hasn't occurred before. And so we, we've got to try to figure out how to do th that, which is, uh, I've got to say, complicated and, and requires, um, you know, A, that you understand the literature and then B, how to apply that literature carefully uh, to reach conclusions that uh, are sometimes gray 
they're not nearly as black and white as as the client uh, would like or the the court would like. Um, but you know th- that is the state of the the literature, the state of the science, and and we are there to help the court understand the the state of the science and what can and can't be said uh, regarding a particular injury in a particular crash. Yeah, I, to- I totally agree. Um, and this, again, underlines how many stakeholders are actually at the table when talking about forensic biomechanics and about injury biomechanics and how many different people we as injury biomechanists have to work with. Could you, um, Dr. Siegmund, talk a bit to how you work or deal with lawyers and judges? Because this is a kind of stakeholder that hasn't been mentioned yet. One of the many that we're, that we're talking about. So uh, I don't deal with uh, judges that often. Uh, Judges will listen to what, uh, you know, experts like me have to say, or they'll choose not to listen to what experts like me have to say. It's it's their prerogative. Um, But uh, so my my experience is mostly with uh, lawyers and uh, insurance adjusters. And and these are these are individuals. who have problems that need solving. And uh, they're trying to figure out, uh, you know, if a person's injury is related to the crash in, in some cases, uh, whether a seatbelt would have altered their, well, first of all, whether or not they were wearing a seatbelt and then whether a seatbelt would have altered their exposure. And <clears throat> if, if that's the case, then, you know, they contributed in some small measure to uh, their own injury, and so that factors into it. But um, by by and large, these are these are um, right individuals who uh, are doing their job, and they they need uh, help. And we, as uh, forensic engineers, provide uh, some of the answers they're looking for. Uh, not all, not always can we uh, answer all of the answers or give them all of the answers that they're looking for, but often we can get them further along. Um, and perhaps the, the legal issues uh, at play might uh, be simpler after we've, we've been involved. Other cases, you know, they'll, they'll call us and we'll chat about their case and we'll raise issues that they hadn't considered. Uh, and the case actually gets more complicated or changes direction after, after uh, an engineer gets involved. So, it's very case specific, um, but it's uh, they they are a group of people who I I particularly like working with um, because they come at uh, they come at me with real problems that need real solutions and uh, uh, in in a finite uh, period of time. Whereas research is sometimes uh, a bit more uh, nebulous problems that don't have a uh, an immediate timeline or a deadline that has to be has to be met. The other thing that the consulting work does is it informs the the research. So I I see which injuries are uh, perhaps the most common or or poorest in in terms of understanding or most contentious, uh, and so that can help me focus where I might be doing research and what questions I might be asking in relation to a specific injury. Yeah, and I'm sure they I'm sure that the people on the legal side of things enjoy working with you as well. 
but um, I'm sure they yeah, also yeah. get quite frustrated when, when the engineer comes in and tells them that the situation is actually a lot more complicated than they had initially thought. Yeah, or or tell them that they're, they don't have a case. Or Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, having you three on this interview makes me, it sounds kind of like a bad joke, like a, a surgeon, an engineer, and a lawyer walk into a bar and pretend <laughs> what happens. <laughs> So one thing I wanted to ask about was um, when Gunter was talking about um, the um, and and I, and I also talked about this the importance of understanding how the injuries happen and so in Gunter's case or in in the consulting case we um, we are able to use the evidence of the injury and the um, medical records to understand the injury that. Um, that happened and reconstruct the mechanisms of the injury. In the lab, we usually, um, we, we get to pick the injury, and that's different than in the consulting world where you don't get to pick the injury. But in the lab, um, we, we take our understanding of how the injuries happen and how common they are from epidemiological studies and other studies. But I wonder, um, Dr. Gee, if you could talk about how the importance of understanding the mechanism of injury is in your work, how often does it matter in, in designing the treatment, um, the energy associated with the, with the injury? Oh, absolutely. I think understanding the, the injury and from, uh, from our point of view, uh, it's, you know, the, the amount of, uh, energy that went into, um, the event, but also considering the material itself because bone will also, vary uh, you know with age or so that there are or different portions of the body will have different amounts or composition of bone so uh, so those are all uh, quite important in the decision making from the surgical point of view and in terms of stakeholders i think um you also work with policemen or at least or law enforcement or at least their reports in in your work as well dr gaino uh, typically we won't get that. We'll get, uh, ambulance, ambulance. Okay. Crew. He'll, he'll describe, they'll describe the scene for us. And actually increasingly so, um, pictures are taking, which can be helpful and help in the well, clinical decision-making, uh, there's certain, you know, criteria or, uh, data points that have been identified that are associated with, uh, various, uh, injuries or risk of, uh, injuries, um, that would, uh, for example, uh, really uh, recommend to us that we keep somebody overnight, even if they have no injuries, just based on their mechanism. So these types of things are, are, uh, are important. Um, in terms of other stakeholders, I've, I've also, uh, you know, I'm an engineer myself and um, I've heard people describe as like managing engineers, like herding cats. And so as a non-engineer, what do you, uh, what do you like best about working with, with our type? <laughs> What I like best about working with your type, I think, uh, I think it's the uh, it's where we reach an interface, which is I, I think is the really cool part, where uh, you know I'll come in or we'll come in with a, a clinical problem, and then uh, we start discussing how are we going to and we've picked the problem, so Dr. Krypton has pointed that out, uh, and then we're going to try to find a way to first of all simulate that, and we've spent. Um, a whole lot of time, and we've had a, quite a few uh, of our graduate students work on that, try to recreate 
as biofidelically as we can the uh, the injury. And then the parts that are going to be really, really interesting are, okay, how are we going to measure this? How is this going to be relevant? And then, uh, and then getting into the discussion of deciding on measurement tools and uh, maximizing the use of the technology that we have, you know, things like high-speed camera, high-speed x-ray, uh, various ways to measure for, you know, various physical parameters, strain, all these things have been uh, really, really, uh, really interesting. So that's an exciting thing for me. So, so the interface, so where we come in with, with clinical side and um, people in a different part of, you know, science, engineering, uh, come in with their, their component, uh, their side of it. So mm-hmm. that's the exciting part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I agree. And I'm always surprised to, to see surgeons know so much about the physics and the mechanics, especially orthopedic surgeons that I've worked with, that they have that understanding that we can almost talk to them about these things uh, on an eye level, where it's not like the engineer is overcomplicating things. And to take a step back, um, the other side, we have research now. We've talked a lot about research and the work in industry and clinics and at the university. Uh, so the other part of the education or the training is is injury biomechanics courses. And I would wonder, and maybe that's a question for Dr. Krypton, how can biomechanics or biomechanics instructors spark students' uh, interest in injury biomechanics uh, through courses, etc.? So, because we will need a lot of uh, new students to come into this field and enrich enrich our labs. Uh, so, how do you do that in your class, for example? I took your class four years ago, and I I remember you showing a lot of videos. But are there any other things that you can show students or give students that they will love to come into that field? Yeah, I think um, to motivate students, I mean, one one thing about um, injury is it's compelling. So it's compelling and it's um, easily relatable because everybody knows, everybody has been, has injured themselves. We've all been injured, um, hopefully not seriously, but we, we all know somebody who's been killed or um, injured to this to this um, stage of permanent disability in uh, in some kind of a car crash or some kind of a sporting incident um, and so it is um, easy to um, it's a compelling area um, naturally compelling area and it does lend itself to to videos and high speed videos that let us slow down the um, the moments that the injury happened so um, in in my course, I, I just try to speak to that how how tragic it is somebody with a spinal cord injury who will never um, you know whose life will be so um, so catastrophically altered by the injury um, and what it would mean to that person if you could could prevent the injury um, if you can sort of breathe some life into that by by showing examples by showing videos um, and. Um, by showing the epidemiology and the and the numbers, and then um, get people to go along the 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 road with you to imagine if you could if there's something you could do to prevent these injuries, um, and what what are the ways that we could imagine that we could do that, and just try to engage people's um, imagination in that. And then um, the work that um, Dr. Sigmund does in recreating injuries in the real world. This is also highly um, compelling um, to students. So I, I would often use examples from my own consulting work 
um, as a kind of whodunit um, uh, exercise with the students where um, students um, can, where I'd set out the injury that happened and the circumstances of the injury and then um, leave them to discuss in groups what, um, you know, between two different scenarios, for example, and, and let them um, talk about the physics behind each of those and which is more relevant. And I find people really get engaged in these kinds of activities as well. And I wonder if uh, Dr. Sigmund has, um, has some other uh, ways that he's used to get people engaged. Uh, not really. I, 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 I find injury biomechanics to be doubly compelling um, because, first of all, uh, as, as engineers, um, I don't think there's anything more beautifully crafted uh, and more complicated than the human body. Uh, right. and so, so just applying engineering to the human body is sort of step one, I think, is, is really compelling. Um, injury, uh, the way Peter just described it, is compelling because it, it's sort of a uh, it's trauma to that uh, to the human body, and 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 we've all experienced that. And it, it's um, it's not um, it's not something to be ignored. Uh, and so, injury injury biomechanics for me is uh, is is a wonderful area to be applying. Um, my, my engineering knowledge. Uh, it's a difficult area to apply engineering <laughs> knowledge. Uh, human tissue, well, any tissue, not just human tissue, but uh, tissue is not a well-behaved um, engineering material. And yet, uh, you know, I, I don't think we as engineers have created anything as uh, uniquely complex uh, or interesting as, as the human body. So it functions and we just don't understand how all these things work together. And, and, <laughs> so yeah, to, to, me it is, to me, it is a field that has uh, so rich in, in research possibilities, so many questions, so many things we don't understand that uh, it, it, it really is wide open to any young researcher who, who wants to answer questions for a lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. And I really, I, I like how you pointed, that was very eloquently said. And I like how you pointed out how kind of, uh, despite being a little bit of a niche field within biomechanics in general, it is very widely applicable. Like everyone, everyone's been injured, like you said. Can I add something, uh, Emily? Um, yeah, of course. I would say one part that I've uh, enjoyed actually uh, is teaching in, in engineering classes. So as a clinician, uh, and uh, I've always, at the beginning of the, any lecture or talk, uh, recognized the contribution of all the engineers in, in the room because 95% uh, of what I do clinically could not be done on the treatment side. But on the other part, try to uh, to stimulate them and, and interest them in in the field uh, by, the show, by showing the impact that the engineers have had in, uh, in orthopedic care. And, and the potential that there is in, the, in injury biomechanics uh, is certainly uh, is vast. Yeah, absolutely. And not that your um, contributions or the clinical contributions aren't necessary as well, because that's where, you know, not only the treatment comes out of, but also just mass amounts of um, data that, that we need um, to help develop prevention. Um, and so to wrap up our episode, uh, we'd like a little outlook on the future and um, would really love if each of you 
could comment on what you're most excited about for the future of injury biomechanics, uh, or maybe what you would like to see most advanced with future technologies. Who would like to start? Go ahead, hmm. Peter. Okay. Well, um, I think what I'm most excited about in injury biomechanics is um, seeing new approaches to um, doing research with human subjects or high-fidelity human models, computational models, or more high-fidelity, um, what we think of as crash test dummy anthropomorphic test models. So um, there, I think we've all alluded to how there are still so many unknowns in um, uh, many aspects of injury biomechanics, uh, tolerance of different tissues of the body, tolerance of the brain to injury and acceleration, for example, is still poorly understood. Um, and we're on the precipice of being able to address those if we work as, as we get um, come to, to technologies that will allow us to uh, really focus on testing human subjects um, and working with more high fidelity models of, um, of human subjects. And I'm excited about these approaches really allowing us to accelerate our um, penetration of these areas that are, that are unknown and, and work towards improved methods to, to prevent injuries in the future. I'd agree. Uh, and I'll, I'll add that one of, one of the things I'm um, fascinated by is the adoption of wearable technologies that are, that are uh, sensing what people are doing almost continuously as they're doing it. And, and the, while they're, you know, they're a long way from being perfect, um, they will improve and, and they have the, um, the potential to turn the entire world into a laboratory uh, and allow us to look at what people were doing before, during, and immediately after their, their trauma uh, and potentially in, in ways that could enlighten us to um, how that trauma might be. Uh, prevented or um, also in, you know, from a purely forensic perspective, allow us to see what the initial conditions were, <laughs> uh, you know, what led to this um, situation that we're all talking about. So uh, wearable tech, I think is, is interesting and there's a long, long way to go um, in that field. Yeah. Especially on the forensic side of things. Uh, I'm going to build on on that to uh, to say that I think the, the multiple sources of information that we have available, you know, wearables, and then the various approaches, uh, the computation, for example, some of the work that Dr. Krypton mentioned we're doing with the folks in ETH and Zurich, all these different approaches that allow us to uh, to to simulate and characterize uh, injuries, and then linking all this information to actually um, clinical. Uh, individual person uh, information, I think, is, would be would be key. Is is the key, and and I think this is a very very exciting uh, future. Uh, the other part that I would say would be from a surgeon's point of view, uh, the rapid you know transformation of of, uh, of that information to or, or conversion of that information into uh, devices and, and implants, and the increased the safety. Of, uh, of surgical procedures make them very acceptable. So, uh, so there's sort of a, a progress in, in every field that allows us to uh, to move forward. But to me, that 
I would go back to the first exciting part has been all all the various uh, developments from the from the engineering um, and particularly the, the computational uh, point of view that allows us to uh, to think of, about these uh, these injuries at a different level. Sounds like there's a lot of work still to do and a lot of students to come to do that work. And thank you again, all of you, for being ready to be interviewed today. And we've covered a lot of ground today on injury biomechanics, and we really appreciate your time. So a big thank you from Emily and I. Uh, and yeah, and I hope that many other students are inspired by your work and that they will also go into injury biomechanics. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Pleasure. Thanks for having us. Thank you. That was great. Um, that that was an awesome interview, and we I really liked all the different perspectives that each uh, you know expert in each different field had to offer. Yeah, I, I agree. Like uh, we could have done this interview for another half an hour or even an hour. Like it was so interesting to actually see what your supervisors or profs in general in the field think about different topics in the field. And it gives you some perspective. And what I also found very interesting was that they were so enthusiastic about the research, although they've been in the field for so long and they shouldn't be like that enthusiastic of each one's project, but they, they still remembered each part of it. And I was, I was really flat for that. Yeah. Especially when they, you know, um, Dr. Siegman sounded so excited when he was talking about your project. So that's great. Um, and I really liked how, how uh, you know, they were saying how important injury biomechanics is because it does matter to everyone. Um, you know, even if you just get a little cut on your arm, it's still an injury and we're still trying to understand mm-hmm. how that mechanism happens and, and how to prevent it. Yeah, totally. And yeah, so so injuries happen to everyone. And that's a big point that, I, that you see that you have that kind of personal connection to it so for example when when we want to prevent vehicle crashes from happening that affects so many families so many friends so many so many you know like so many people in your life that uh, that you see the importance of it firsthand and uh, it's funny how oblivious i was even in biomedical engineering uh, how oblivious i was towards this topic and uh, and yeah and really this opened a little bit of my eyes in some regards especially when it comes to the collaboration between like so many different stakeholders like orthopedic surgeons lawyers even like police officers that write reports so mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff going into and i think having those skills to kind of talk to each person and and that like on that at that table uh, is very valuable totally totally and each of them is so necessary um and i think you know that personal connection that that patients or listeners or students have with the topic is really where the passion comes from. Um, and so, yeah, what we wanted to do was we wanted to get the word out there about injury biomechanics. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Um, this is Emily and Loe from the university of British Columbia. And we reached out to Melissa and Hannah with boom, and we want to encourage other students to do the same. Mm -hmm. And boom is a student led podcast. And if you want to host your own episode, reach out to them on Twitter biomechanics oom or by email at biomechanics on our minds at gmail.com thanks for listening to student voices a series by biomechanics on our minds by students and for students if you have an idea for an episode of student voices or if you want to host your own episode please reach out to us at biomechanics on our minds at gmail.com or tweet at us at biomechanics oom We'd love to hear from you. Let's keep these conversations going. 